grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, uh, it actually struck me as I was reading the readings today because um, there you've got Jonah, the first reading, and um, he's grumbling, he's upset because God has saved all these people. And uh, Jonah grumbles about that. And then you have the story of, that Jesus told about these workers in the vineyard and uh, those who came last got the same as those who came first. So you have all the people who, who worked more hours grumbling. So you've got them grumbling in the first reading, you've got grumbling in the last uh, third reading. But in the middle we've got Philippians. And in Philippians we're going to have a bit, little bit of a look at the background of the letter and chapter 1. You've got Paul in prison and he's not grumbling. In fact, uh, quite the common word in the letter to the Philippians is joy and rejoice. So I'm a bit interested to see what Philippians has to say to us, what Paul's letter uh, to the Philippians over the next few weeks, what we'll hear from God's word in uh, these chapters. Now, the congregation in Philippi uh, came about in Paul's second missionary journey. Before he went there, Paul got a vision of a man across in Europe, part of Greece now is where it is, and this, per this vision was of a man pleading, come over and help us. Come over and help us. This is told to us in Acts chapter 16. And so it was that Paul went, and it's the first place he preached, Philippi, on European soil. So he's crossed over from Asia Minor into Europe. Now, so he was in Turkey, what's now modern-day Turkey, and crossed over into what's modern-day Greece, I think, is where Philippi is. And among the people who came to faith through Paul's ministry were this businesswoman, Lydia, and her whole household was baptized, and Paul and Silas, his co-workers, they were all invited to Lydia's house, and they probably held their first Christian worship services in Lydia's house. Anyway, Paul's ministry there did result in him and Silas being thrown into prison. And do you know what their response was after being thrown in prison? Do you know? They didn't grumble, I can tell you that. They sang and they worshipped the Lord there in prison. <laughs> and uh, they ended up being released from prison and Paul baptized the prison guard together with his whole household. So the church in Philippi, which was born out of some rejection, some opposition, took root in this European town hundreds of kilometers away from where Jesus was born, did his ministry, died and rose again. And this tells us, I think, that the gospel, the good news, is offered to people in all places, all around the world. 
And it tells us, additionally, that even as we experience trials, we can have the confidence that God will not abandon us in our difficulties. We can rejoice and not grumble. It's all right to grumble sometimes, perhaps. But Paul shows us that we can even rejoice in God no matter what. We can rest assured that God doesn't abandon his people even when they face difficulties. So now as Paul writes this letter, it's some years later than his ministry there in Philippi and Paul is back in prison again. Not in Philippi but possibly and probably in Rome. And the church in Philippi has grown quite strong. It's a little thriving, healthy congregation. Uh, They were thriving in their own community, but they also were very generous to people in need who weren't part of their community. And Paul was one of those who they thought to support because he was in prison and people in prison had to support themselves in prison. Okay, maybe we can, in Papua New Guinea, we can think of the Hausika, people in hospital, generally need relatives there to support them. Paul needed support while he was in prison, so the Philippians sent someone over there with a gift, a monetary gift, and someone to encourage and support Paul. Um, And now Paul is writing back to thank the congregation and he's sending back this brother in Christ back to Philippi with this letter and um, to report to them. Even though Paul is writing from prison, he constantly goes back to this one word that's repeated again and again in this letter. It's joy or rejoice. And this, I think, is Paul's theme in this letter of the Philippians, what it means to have joy in the midst of the good, the bad, and the ugly of life. Early on in chapter 1, Paul prays for his friends in Philippi. And isn't that amazing and wonderful, I think? that um, someone in prison, someone under difficult circumstances, and someone far away can still pray for others. Isn't that wonderful? He prays for the people in Philippi. Whatever difficulties or trials you face, that can't keep you from thinking of others and praying for others. And of course it can cross... uh, geographical distances. And in his prayer, prayer, Paul says this, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. There's that word already there, joy. I'm happy because you have joined me in spreading the good news. You have done so from the first day until now. And he goes on to say, God began a good work in you and I am sure that he will carry it on until it is completed. That will be on the day Christ Jesus returns. That's Philippians 1 verse 6. And I think that's a verse that you can't get tired of hearing. I think Paul is the guy, already in Romans he's told us this, that from beginning to middle to end, God is working in our life and we can depend on God's work in our life. Our salvation depends on God's work not our work, and he's there from beginning to middle to end. And Paul doesn't say, 
I wonder if this is true, or I think it could be, or I hope it is. Paul says, I am sure, I am certain that the work that God began in you, you Philippians, he will take it through to the completion. And and I think this is really um, uh, something to, to rejoice about. I guess, and it does remind me of a song uh, that we quite like in in PNG. It comes from the English song, Blessed Assurance. Blessed Assurance. And I think this also um, emphasizes this, the first verse anyway. Me serve through Jesus, he belong me. I really know that Jesus is mine and that I belong to him, that I'm his. Blood belong and by me on Calvary. His blood has uh, redeemed me on Calvary. Was he me finished? Okay, this means cleansed me, a completed action. It's finished, completed. And then I really love these words. It comes through much clearer in talk prison, doesn't it, Don? God yet walk him. Huh? God has done it. This is God's work. Also in heaven by me looking. Therefore, I'll see heaven. Why? Because of God's work. I can trust in God from the beginning to the middle to the end and I'm certain and sure when I trust in God's work. Do I have to trust in my work? There might be a bit of of, uh, doubt. A little bit of doubt there. So, in chapter 1, after praying for the well-being of the people in Philippine and reminding him about this wonderful thing and this certainty that you can trust in, Paul starts to teach them and he says to them, brothers and sisters, here's what I want you to know. And he says, what has happened to me has actually helped to spread the good news. I'm being held by chains because I'm a witness for Christ. All the palace guards and everyone else knows it. And because I'm a prisoner, Most of the believers have become bolder in the Lord. They now dare even more to preach the good news without fear. So here is Paul looking at his situation and saying, it's turned out for the good, actually. (laughs) My ministry has been extended. So Paul is in prison, but he looks at what God is doing. And Paul sees that this has been an opportunity for the palace uh, the palace guards to hear the good news. And Paul would have never had an opportunity to preach to the palace guards. But there he is in prison, and so his ministry reaches people it never would have reached. So Paul sees that as a plus, a positive, and something to thank God for. I mean, why would have they locked up this Paul anyway except to stop <laughs> the good news? From going out. You know, the number one missionary, the number one preacher of the good news, they want to slow this down, what Paul was doing. But Paul says, locking me up has actually spread the good news. And what he means is, as I said, that the good news has gone to places and people. Paul never could have taken the good news. So Paul doesn't grumble. Paul thanks God and teaches the Philippians that this can happen, even in very difficult situations. It's good to remember this in our struggles, that God is still in the business of reaching out 
with the good news to people, uh, to places and situations we never could have planned for or never could have figured out that it would work out that way. St. Paul rejoices that the good news is being preached and this is more important to him than his personal reputation and comfort and he understands his being in prison is for the sake of the gospel. He doesn't say, why is this happening to me? Instead, he understands that God is in control. Now, it's easy to make a statement like that. God is in control. But when you make that statement, God is in control, what does that mean? I'm not in control. God is in control means I'm not in control. And that can be actually liberating to realize that we are not in control, but God is in control. And that's how Paul views his circumstances. Paul trusts that God is in control. Paul has, is not even concerned about his personal circumstances and the outcome. He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I can die and be with Jesus or I can live and that will mean more fruitful time in the ministry. Paul does not see his life as something to be preserved but something to be spent for the service of God's kingdom. So it's a challenge for us to think about uh, God's work in our life. Okay, what's our response to that? How do we look at our life? And what opportunities are we given in the way we live our life to serve God and bring blessing to others? Towards the end of this chapter, Paul says this, It has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, believe in Christ, but also to suffer for him. It's not that encouraging to hear that. I mean, the first part is, and we know it really, to believe and trust in Christ is a gift given to us by God. And we praise God for that gift. But suffering, given as a gift to us, that sounds a little bit off, a little bit weird. But I think Paul is looking at it, at it this way. Suffering, this particular suffering, this kind of suffering, suffering for the sake of Christ, suffering for following Christ, that it is something of worth if I have to suffer for it. So it's valuable. It's something very valuable when you can go through even suffering for it. We're a little bit used to that when we say things like uh, no pain, no gain, for example. So we're aware of something that we really desire and want to have. We're willing to go through a bit of tough stuff. So that shows, I think, the good news in our life is something really valuable if we also suffer for it. And the other thing that comes out of this, through suffering for Christ, if God has granted it 
that means that God is not absent from it. If God has granted it, then God is not absent from it. And you don't have to wonder, have I done something wrong? Am I far away from God so this is happening to me? When I see it as coming from, as a gift from God, then I know that God is in it and that God is with me and that I can trust that God will see me through it. And I don't have to have doubt that God is with me through the suffering that I face. And I think it's good to hear this coming from Paul because Paul knows this firsthand. It would be hard to hear it from someone who's sitting in an ivory tower somewhere. But Paul is going through this and Paul is in prison writing this. He says, you have seen me suffer already when I was with you in Philippi. Now I'm going through it again and so are you. So Paul is encouraging us. I'm in prison and I can tell you that God is up to good through this. The good news is going places it never could have gone and God will do the same through you. So, what does it mean to have joy in the midst of the good, the bad and the ugly of life? I think it's to live as if, to live like God is in control. And so we trust in God. We know that God is for us and that God is with us in whatever happens. And our lives become the good news that we demonstrate even in the difficult circumstances that we face. Amen. And the peace of God. I often say these words at the end of a sermon and they come from Philippians. Would you know that? Did you know that? So joy and peace is a big theme in Philippians. The peace of God which passes all human understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.